Welcome to the podcast that brings you interviews, reviews, arts and entertainment news, all wrapped up in one place. You're listening to Art to Art with Amani Mo. This is an Art to Art first. A special episode where I talk to just one guest. I'm thrilled to say the time is now to speak to the coolest music artist who's got upcoming gigs in the UK and touring in Europe with her sixth solo album, Hit Parade. I am, of course, talking about the uber-creative one and only Roisin Murphy, formerly one half of Maloko. The universe brought us together. Eureka! She's a one-off you simply can't replicate. And if you've heard the latest album, you'll know exactly what I just did there. And know what you're listening to is not one of Rasheen's tracks. But don't worry, if you want to find out more, check out the links in the episode description. This glam rock goddess is a personal inspiration to me as part of Maloko with hits like Sing It Back and one of my faves, The Time Is Now, through to launching a solo career with debut album Ruby Blue in 2005. We'll be talking all things music, Roisin's early career, family support network, and what's in a name. Well, a lot, apparently, as we're about to find out. May I introduce Art to Art's special guest, Roisin Murphy. Roisin, I've been looking forward to this interview, I'm not going to lie, for quite some time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be too fangirl about this, but... I'm a big fan. Oh, bless you. Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> My name's Amani, and it means wishes mm-hmm. in Arabic. Yes. I had a good old conversation with, um, I don't know if you know the actress, Roisin Gallagher, who was in The Drive, no. if you've seen that. We talked about names, and obviously having an unusual name is a blessing and a bit of a curse as well. Mm. I don't know mm. what it was like for you growing up, because I know you spent some of your childhood in Manchester and some of your late teens in Sheffield and your name probably would have been quite unusual. Yeah, definitely. I I don't know what the effect it's had on my career. I I do worry sometimes that if you can't pronounce a name, then you don't, you know. So it could have hurt my career in some way. In other ways, it's memorable. So hard to know. I mean, I did question whether I should change my name right at the beginning of my career. Oh, really? But um, yeah, I did. I was maybe going to go for just Murphy. My father used to call me Mo. My whole family used to call me Mo. I was telling my kids the other day, my dad used to call me Pigsfoot, which before I even, before I said it to them, I'd never thought of it. You know, he just used to go, come on, Pigsfoot. And um, maybe I should have gone for Pigsfoot. That would have been good. Pigsfoot Murphy. Pigsfoot Murphy, can you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely memorable. Why Pigsfoot of all feet? That's it. I only really thought about it the other day. But it's also a bit like my mother calling us Antichrist, you know. She's the little Antichrist, which is obviously a very heavy thing to be called. It was only when you grow up when you're an adult that you (laughs) realise. Well, I'm sure as a child I've been called many names. Especially in my teenage years when, you know, you slam the doors and tell everybody you hate them. It's a very Irish one that the mothers do tend to call their children.
killed an antichrist in Ireland. Oh, pig's foot? I, I never heard anybody be called pig's foot except me dad called me pig's foot. <laughs> that is so funny. I'm now trying to think of my dad. I don't think my dad ever called me anything um, like a pig's foot, but I, I need to think I about know. that now. I, I'm, I'm trying to dig deep. I wanted to be called Susie, so I always told people my name was Susie. Oh, bless you. And not Amani. I bet you're happy you're not called Susie now, aren't you? Honestly, isn't that funny? Now, obviously, that I'm older, I can appreciate. And also, it's quite a nice name as well. It means wishes in Arabic. Lovely name. Oh, thank you. And it's your heritage, isn't it? Your roots and everything. It's nice to go back to that. I would have felt probably like I'd abandoned something if I had abandoned my real name. Yeah. Or called yourself Pig's Foot. That would have been <laughs> big foot. Maybe that would be more realistic. Yeah, but uh, he used to call me Squirt as well. Um, he had all kinds of names for us. Oh bless! Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to just go back to the beginning. You know, growing up, did you always think, yes, I want to be in music. I want to be a singer or a dancer or any of those things. Or was there a plan B or C, Rasheen? It wasn't planned at all for me to be a singer. I wanted to be um, some sort of visual artist when I was growing up. I was only really good at two things in school, and that was arty stuff. And I played camogie, which is the female version of hurling, Irish game with a big stick oh. and a ball. Uh, I was quite athletic and I was quite artistic, And uh, but I didn't want to be an athlete. I wanted to be an artist. My uncle was a very famous photographer in Ireland. He was the main photographer for the Irish Times for many years. So he'd come down from Dublin and his wife was uh, the fashion editor of the Irish Independent. And so they were something to really look up to. And I thought maybe I'd be a bit like them. So I had these ideas, maybe I'd be an interior designer or a fashion designer or a photographer or an artist. And I really thought I was going to go to art school, but I met Mark Bryden, who was the other half of Maloco, in a party in Sheffield. I had moved to Sheffield from Manchester when I was about 18, 19, and I met him in a party and I went up to him and I said, do you like my tight sweater? <laughs> See how it fits my body. And I've been going around saying it all night because I was actually wearing a tight sweater. <laughs> And um, and he liked that. And he asked me to come to his uh, studio. He had a very fancy studio called Fawn Studios in Sheffield that him and his friends had built. And um, it was a really big, proper professional studio skewed a bit toward people who wanted to make electronic music. So they had the samplers and all that sort of stuff in there as well. And it happened to be empty that night. And so in downtime, they would call it we went down there and I recorded he recorded me saying that and that became the first thing and then we fell in love and occasionally over the next weeks and months he'd get me to do some silly voice or you know I would do some kind of acting on the track and um, pretend to be like a valley girl from LA or (laughs) You know, oh, my God, look at all these party weirdos. No singing, you know. And um, basically, his manager, unbeknownst to me, gathered a few of these things together, a handful of tracks, including a couple that didn't have any vocal at all on them, and put a name on it. And the name was The Numbskulls, which uh, somebody else 
had that name so we had to change to Maloco later on but it was the, the numbskulls initially and he went to London and played it to a few people and two record labels <laughs> were interested in this nonsense you know I couldn't believe it and um, and then one of them offered us a six album record deal which we signed and wow. um, and I hadn't sung yet actually <laughs> when I signed that deal uh, but toward the end of making the record, halfway through making the record, I did start to sing. He coaxed it out of me. I had sung as a kid. Everyone sings in Ireland. Absolutely everyone. And everyone that I grew up with knew at least 100 songs. The adults, anyway. It was a really big part of the culture. You know, you'd have a few drinks and they'd all start to sing to one another a cappella. Or if somebody was there to play the piano or the guitar, that would be fine as well. But we didn't need that. It could just be break out into song anywhere. My dad knew hundreds of songs and had a beautiful voice. And he used to have this game where he'd say, name anything, anything at all. I bet you I know a song about it, you know. So that was the way I was brought up. Um, so all that went in by osmosis and it, it came back when I needed it. Amazing. And uh, I guess I, I was lucky to be brought up in that culture, uh, but never have any of that forced on me. And it was there when I needed it type yeah. thing. Incredible, isn't it, that your formative years are always the most influential and, and not always a conscious thing either. You know, mm. um, my dad loves singing and whistle. he whistles, he can whistle a tune perfectly. Oh, lovely. It's so lovely. And I find myself whistling as well. I've always been a whistler. Isn't it funny how these little things seep into your psyche? Yeah. And, and with Maloko especially, I do, they obviously Sing It Back's massive hit. But I remember, and I wanted to share this with you, um, Rashim. The Time Is Now is a song mm. that really has such a deep feel good feel in me and mm, it's mm. the song that I turn to there are a few songs that I turn to in my hour of need oh. and it's always that song I remember in my 20s going on a road trip with my um, friend in Spain <laughs> around sort of southern Spain and I put a mixtape together and of course that had to go on the mixtape it's got that real feel good factor and, and when I left the BBC quite recently I put that song on really Religiously every single day just to get Aww. me fired up. So I wanted to share that with you. And I also wondered what kind of songs were on your mixtapes growing up? Oh, well, I remember somebody gave me uh, a mixtape of uh, Motown songs. Mm, nice. Uh, when I was about 13, a fella called Dave, I was in love with him. Turned out to be a bit of an idiot, actually. But there you go. That's another story. <laughs> but he did give me this tape of Motown songs, which um, was very enlightening and stayed with me. My mother had a great record collection. She hadn't got a musical bone in her body out of any of the people in the family. You know, she couldn't sing. But she has this incredible love of music and she had this great record collection, lots of Beatles, lots of Elvis, um, lots of uh, Rolling Stones. Um, she had, um, you know, uh, Shirley Bassey, Harry Belafonte, all that kind of stuff. And she also had much older records. She had um, 
like her father had been a singer and had re- done recordings. So he had these really old 78s with with him on them and the kind of like that vibe. She'd have other records as well of that ilk where uh, you'd have people singing these Italian sort of sounding melodies and they'd have like English lyrics to them and stuff. So you'd have this operatic stuff. And um, she'd be up all night playing the record. She wasn't very good with them, though. She scratched them. <laughs> <We're> all mashed. <laughs> I remember playing Ticket to Ride by the Beatles over and over and over and over again when I was about seven. And and I'd get like that. I'd be like, I'd have to, I'd, I'd love a song and I'd want to hear it a thousand times, mm. you know, and try and figure out why it is I loved it. I was always like that as a kid. And then when I got a bit older, I got when I was in Manchester, I went to go see Sonic Youth one night and that changed everything for me. You know, I saw them throwing Tim Gordon into the audience over and over again and just crawl back up onto the stage and see that was like, God, this is this is the kind of woman I want to be. You know, (laughs) I was sat on the side of the stage because I was only 14 and they allowed me to be in the corner on the side of the stage because it was very scary in the actual audience. It was really a full-on mosh pit and there was a lot of stage diving going on and stuff. And that opened my eyes. I I never looked back after that. I got completely obsessed with music after mm. that. It was all about collecting music, going to see bands. This was when I was living in Manchester. And after that, then I got really into club music and clubs, you know. Mm. Manchester was perfect playground for that. Amazing scene, uh, Manchester, Liverpool as well. Incredible club yeah. scenes. I love the nineties and the late nineties. I love that clubbing scene. I love sort of that early noughties as well, uh, musically. Um, and mm. I, I wondered, obviously, because you went solo, was it really empowering for you? And you know, look, this is your sixth solo album hit parade mm. and it just the songs are just fantastic Roshina and I'm oh, not just you. saying it it's like you go from one track to another and it really is honestly expect the unexpected I'm like where is she going now with this song it's just <laughs> brilliant because she's bloody mad I love she it doing now? I love it absolutely <laughs> love it because that's the type of album you'd never get bored of listening to because it's just like Oh, hang on. <laughs> Especially if you put it, it on a, shuffle. It is an extraordinary <laughs> record. He's an extraordinary producer, the guy that I worked with, DJ Coase, a fella from um, Hamburg. And uh, he asked me a few years ago to contribute to his album, which is one of those albums with lots of vocalists on. And I think I was the last contributor. And after that, he just kept feeding me tracks. <laughs> he had nothing to do. He'd finished his album. So he kept feeding me these tracks to play with but remotely you know we didn't really spend much time together on this record I worked in London for the most part and he worked in Germany you know wow. um, but it, it, it wasn't a cold process it wasn't not intimate when we were working on stuff and it was very much over a long period of time six years it took like a hobby now and again we'd go back to it you know But we did communicate when we were working quite intensely, you know. Obviously, there's new ways of communicating without actually being together, you know. We can see each other on the FaceTime. We can send each other inspiration. He could get me G'd up by, you know, 
sending me music that he liked and I could do vice versa. And yeah, it was a very interesting process. What was very different for me was that um, he asked me to learn so that we could work like this. He asked me to learn the same music software that he uses so that I could record vocals that could be actually used on the record. I mean, I've written before at home, you know, squirreled away, but on a four track uh, cassette thing, you know, where I get ideas down, I take that into the studio and then have to re-record in the studio. But with this, I can record vocals that end up on the tracks, you know, mm. they're good enough to, to, to go there. And um, it was very liberating for me that actually, and it m- brought about a very prolific period for me. It helped me finish the record before this as well, which was Roisin Machine, which wasn't quite finished when we hit the pandemic. So I was already up and running in this form and uh, I could deliver vocals for that too without going anywhere. And in the case of Hip Parade, I'd send him the whole session so he could excavate all the way back to the very first moment I would start to like hum a melody. And and sometimes he'd put those things in and they give this kind of intimacy, like I'm whispering in your ear, like I'm really just there right beside you. And the ideas come, they're fresh, they're fresh down, you know. Mm. I didn't have to redo them and over-egg them, you know. Yeah. They're there in their freshest form. And um, that's what gives it, it's, it's got such life, this record. I can't quite put my finger on what it is that makes it feel sort of old, like a Motowny yeah, kind of 70s disco feel to it. There's like almost like a crackle of the vinyl mm. With, mm. The, with this contemporary feel to it. Yeah. Does that yeah, make sense? Absolutely. Um, yes, absolutely. The best producers have great ears, you know. Yeah. That's the, the the best thing that, you know, their most important instrument is their ears, that they just always keep those ears open and wonder to yourself, does that sound great, you know? Mm-hmm. And even if it's not quite perfect or it's not professional or whatever the hell, you know, does it sound amazing? Okay, then it can stay. You know, and that's really the way that he he works, I think. He's very analytical in that sense. His ears are very analytical. And then there's a harmonic thing there that, yeah, gives you that Motown feel, I think. It's the harmonics between the guitar and the bass and singing. Yeah. I, I, I think you're spot on. Oh, thanks. You're listening to Art to Art with Amani Mo and special guest Roisin Murphy. This episode features formerly one half of Maloko, but very much a powerhouse performer who injects cool into everything she does. Here's part two of our conversation, where we talk about Auntie Linda, what's on Roisin's current watch list, and we continue our chat about the latest album, Hit Parade. You can find links to her music in the episode description. 
And the thing about the tracks as well, you know, we go from cuckoo to, you know, what not to do. And then the universe as well is absolutely brilliant. Like, wow, because that's that real playfulness, Roisin, that you described, which I've just found out in this interview that, you know, was part of what you did with Mark before you even got to yeah. sing as Maloko. That that's playfulness. right. That did feel a bit full circle. Yeah. Yeah, Being totally. able to kind of bring out the character, crack out the characters and a bit of acting as well as singing and to create a sort of a world, really, when in creating this album yeah. um, that you can immerse yourself into. And, and then you get all the way up toward the end and you get to things like um, Can't Replicate, you know, which mm. is just an absolute banger, banger. track. Or You Knew, you know. You Knew. The, oh, the build that. all the way up to those songs as well in the way that this, the record is sequenced and he is an extraordinary dj as well he really is and um, auntie linda enjoyed that song didn't she auntie you? linda was well up for it <laughs> god help me everyone i talk to wants to know about auntie linda now <laughs> she is pretty awesome everybody's asking about you linda people are like what's she really like what's that she's well she's an enigma <laughs> Oh, she looks like really good fun, actually. And as are you. She's the auntie anybody would want. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Always supportive. Oh, Wonderful bless woman. her. She's so sweet. Um, listen, before I let you go, just a quick word about the tour. It's happening this year, not only in the UK, but you're going Europe-wide as well. Excited, yes. nervous. Um, have you got some new costumes? Because from what I can see, Hit Parade has garnered <laughs> some really interesting fashion yeah. i particularly well, I've got like quite a turnover yes yeah, so yeah. outfits for sure the yeah. leotard um, with the um the the g-string and the the nipple bits and the the navel uh, yes. yeah interesting i love it mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bit of fun isn't it all that you know i don't need to do that I don't it's all very frivolous and silly but as long as i enjoy it why not you know and um i like to make um each song feel like it's in a different room almost mm. when I'm playing live. I never want anyone to get bored. It's constant. I'm so committed to the performance. And um, that's very clear. And the costumes I think. and so on I think are part of that. From everything that I've seen so far, it really does look like you are just having an absolute blast, whether you're in Buenos Aires, Argentina, wherever it may be. Yeah. It looks like you're Oh, I've really... got around a bit this last year. Yes, did get around a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is absolutely amazing and you totally deserve it. I think you are such an incredible singer and it's just you keep evolving and everything you seem to bring the new album is just a whole new Roisin Murphy that I'm completely loving and enjoying and I'm sure your fans are as well yes um, they do yeah I've got a great fan base thank god yeah you really do They're don't very you? very loyal yeah lots of hugs they like hugs don't they <laughs> 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 I jump into them and give them hugs, you know, oh, when, I'm, when I'm playing. 
And finally, just with the podcast Art to Art, we always ask our guests what they're watching. We have a watch list. So it's kind of like what, you know how you've got that to-do list, uh, you know, in your day-to-day life. I've got to do Mm. the shopping, this, that and the other. This is kind of like the watch list is everything that's on your list of things to listen to, whether it's a podcast or whatever, um, a radio show that you've missed out on, or whether it's something you're catching up on streaming or the cinema. So I wondered, Rasheen, what have you got? All the few things. Especially January, you tend to sort of put a lot of stuff in in January, don't you? You tend to absorb TV shows and podcasts and things like that. There isn't much else to do. Um, So, yeah, uh, I loved Slow Horses. Gary Oldman's just my favourite. Like, I just, his one-liners in that are just priceless. Absolutely brilliant. At one point, he's got some, like, two people, two spies working for him, and one's a gambler and one's a cokehead. (laughs) <laughs> and he calls them scratch and sniff. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, so that was brilliant. Um, I watched the entire Gilded Age for the dresses. Mm. I mean, I've never in my life seen such a procession of dress after dress at extraordinary costumes. So I watched it really just for that, actually, because I just <laughs> couldn't get over the dresses. I used to watch stuff like that with my mum when I was a kid, and we'd draw the dresses afterwards. Oh, wow. So I was kind of living living my childhood again. Um, uh, I, I think getting a bit older, I'm getting into history, so mm. I've been reading a book called Stalingrad. Wow, Which that sounds not, quite not, heavy. That's a, bit, that's a bit hardcore, a bit heavy. Yeah. I've also been listening to... Um, to a podcast called The Rest is History, um, Ooh, that which is brilliant. Good. I've not heard yeah. of that one. I'm going to go check it out. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of the watch list, you see. We like to share and see what everyone <laughs> else is watching and listening to. Just started the new Fargo. Not Fargo, sorry. This was the true detective with Jodie Foster. Ooh. Was hoping to binge it. And then, you know, it was one of them when you realise, oh, no, you got to wait till next week for the next one. Yeah, it sounds like you've got quite a bit on your watch list, Rasheen. Oh, um, yes. Thank you so much, Rasheen. I'm so chuffed to speak to you. As a woman, I find you empowering. I have enjoyed watching you grow and your fashion sense Aww. is incredible. You're kind of Tilda Swinton, but in the music industry. That's what I want to say. Oh, my God. That's something I love her. She's amazing, isn't she? Isn't she? <laughs> As are you. I did actually just watch that new, um, what's her name? Is it Joanna Trollope that makes these films? Yes. And she's in, yeah, yeah, amazing. Like, made me quite sad because I'm a bit like that myself when I go home to Ireland. I, I'm i talking to my mother and I surreptitiously pressed record, you know, because I'm trying to hold on to the memories before they slip away, you know. Mm. Um and it was, yeah, that was a brilliant film, I thought. And funnily enough, it's um, I had the very same conversation with my dad about memories and coming over from Yemen. And I was saying yeah. to him, you know, I'd like to maybe do something with him. Oh, we yeah, don't you act- should do that. Yeah, we don't even know my dad's side of the family and they're in Yemen. Unfortunately, my mother's not as like, she's not as much of a show off as me, Auntie Linda. So I have to secretly <laughs> record her. Oh, <laughs> Uh (laughs) uh-oh 
<laughs> Linda just lives for it, though. You know, you, you see Linda <laughs> and you go, how are you doing, Linda? And she, oh, I've got a pain here and I'm not feeling great, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but will you help me make this bit of content? Yes! <laughs> Completely comes to life. She's totally up for it, Rushing. You definitely picked the right person to, <laughs> to promo your stuff. She's adorable. And you can really see how proud of you she is. You know, that's oh, really they, nice. They all are. I've got a great family that way. Thank God. Thank God for that. Take good care, won't you? And thank you so much for your time today, Rasheen. Oh, thank you. It was really nice talking to you. You're listening to Art to Art with Amani Mo and special featured guest Rosheen Murphy. Hit Parade is her latest album and is available now. Don't forget to check out the episode description for links to Rasheen's latest album and to find out more about the artist, you can head on over to RasheenMurphyOfficial.com. If you've enjoyed the pod, please do share the love and you can check out art to art That's art, the number two, art.podbean.com. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. I've been your host, Amani Mo. Until next time, see ya. See ya.